Why does God command all men everywhere to repent? Because our Lord at the cross reconciled the world to himself. In the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is it? God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing unto them their trespasses, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's a very strong statement, isn't it? In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, the apostle writes, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, when? when we were enemies. If Jesus Christ had not made peace for the world at the cross, my friend, you wouldn't be sitting on your seat today. The judgment of God would have come upon the world for the crucifixion of his son. What I'm trying to get to you is this amazing truth of reconciliation. God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not charging unto them their trespasses. And he's given to us a responsibility tell the world of such a Savior. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the word of the living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through his word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross is the subject of our study, and we have dealt with forgiveness, redemption, justification, and its guarantee, and now we will be examining the doctrine of reconciliation. Dr. Mitchell will be looking at this doctrine of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And this is a very vital doctrine. And so he discusses this passage at length. And the focus here is on what God did in relationship to the world. He made peace for the world by not imputing their sins against them. And then it goes on to say what we who know Jesus Christ as our Savior what we have as a privilege and a responsibility towards the unsaved world. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5.18 with Dr. Mitchell as he declares to us the doctrine of reconciliation and the peace it provides. And you're listening to The Unchanging Word, Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with a series of studies on what Jesus Christ accomplished for us at the cross you remember in our introduction to this series, we were saying that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. And I made the statement that the finished work of Christ 
includes what Christ did with respect to sin, what Christ did with respect to the world, and what Christ did with respect to God. Thus far, we have been discussing forgiveness, redemption, and justification. And then the guarantee that is put away our sins, the guarantee that we stand before him in all the righteousness of Christ. Now, I would like in the present day lesson to discuss this question of the work of Christ with respect to the world. This is the effect of Christ's work with respect to man. And this word reconciliation means God making peace for sinners. God making peace for sinners. And I would like to read especially two or three passages of Scripture. So you can put them down. I will be referring to them as we go along. I'm reading from the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. The second book of Corinthians, chapter 5. Reading from verse 14, where we read, For the love of Christ constraineth us, overmasters us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that is Jesus, died for all, that they which live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, from now on know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is it. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not charging their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. You be reconciled to God. Why? Because God has made Jesus Christ to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, this question of reconciliation. Is God making peace for sinners? Would I be out of the way by contrasting these three great words we're, we're having? We've had redemption. What does that mean? Redemption means that God has freed us from sin by the payment of a price. The price was the blood of Christ. The second great word was justification. Justification is God declaring righteous the man or the woman who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, reconciliation. It is God making peace for sinners. It speaks of a change. A change from enmity to friendship. It's something that God has done for us. It is not something that we do for God. 
I remember when I first, I better change that. I remember when I became a Christian. I had some dear friends who were in the holiness movement. And one of them, one day, one of them asked me the question, well, Mitchell, have you made your peace with God? I said, I can't do that. God has made peace for me and I've accepted it. Let us get these things straight. What can you do to make peace with God? Nothing. You're a sinner. You're a far off, without Christ, without hope, without God. You can't do anything except accept the provision which he has made for you. Now at the cross, there was a change in God's attitude to men. At the cross, enmity was taken away. At the cross, God did nothing in man, but he did something for man. I want to keep this clear before you. Whether it's redemption or justification or reconciliation, God did nothing in man. This is something that God did for us. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. This is something that God does for man, whether man believes it or not. If nobody is saved, the job was done. And God does not need to be reconciled because he is the offended one. We were the ones who were the offenders. We were the ones who had sinned. We were the ones who had rebelled. God doesn't need to be reconciled. We are the ones who need to be reconciled. And the change is not on man's part, but on God's part. It's God's heart going out to a sinful world, removing the barrier, the enmity that's between God and man, making the provision whereby man can come to God. Let me explain what I mean. Allow me to quote from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 30, which says, The times of this ignorance God winked at. What's he talking about? Well, Paul on Mars Hill is talking to the Athenian philosophers. And he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they laughed him to scorn. In fact, they took him up to the Areopagus, to, the Areopagus, to Mars Hill, and said, come on, tell us more about this. But it was a certain measure of scorn, mockery. Then he began to speak of the God of creation. And he said, God hath given to all men life and breath and all things, that they might feel after God and find him, though he be not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. And don't for one moment think that the God, that God is like unto a, a stone that has been graven by art or man's device. Don't think that God is like your idols. A dead, inanimate thing, eyes that see not, ears that hear not, tongues that speak not, pieces of stone. God isn't like that. And then he said, the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now, God commands all men everywhere to repent, to turn around. You remember, if I may give you the history of it, in Genesis chapter 12, or... 
Acts chapter 7, the second verse. I read that the God of glory appeared unto Abraham. Allow me to say a word here just by way of explanation. In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, I read that Abraham came out of idolatry. Where Joshua said, Our forefathers were idolaters in the Ur of the Chaldees. Now, there's no question about that if you read the book of Genesis. Abraham was an idolater, and I take it he was just sick of his idolatry. And man was so bad. As Romans chapter 1 says, God gave men up to uncleanness, he gave them up to vile affections, he gave them over to a reprobate mind. Do you remember that? Allow me to repeat. Because they changed the glory of God into an image, God gave them up to uncleanness. Then, because they changed the truth of God into a lie, God gave them over to vile affections. And then, because they refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the inconvenient things. Now, this is the history of man, by the way. He let the nations go their own way. This is history. And he picked a man by the name of Abraham up, who was in idolatry. I take it, as I said a while ago, Abraham must have been sick of the corruption and of the idolatry in Ur of the Chaldees. And God says, get out. And he got out. And this started the beginning of a people to whom God is going to be glorified. Abraham and his seed were called out uh, to be witnesses of the one God. They were called out to be the family through whom Jesus Christ would come into the human race. They were called out to be witnesses of God to the Gentile nations. I'm not going to discuss the fact of their failure. I'm just declaring a historical fact. Now from Abraham right down to the cross, God dealt with one nation, Israel. The Gentiles went their own way in their idolatry, in their corruption, and you'll notice the judgment of God didn't fall upon the Gentiles. God did punish his own people because of their disobedience and corruption. Now, I don't want to go into that except to point out what I'm after. Between Abraham and the cross of Christ, God dealt with one people, Israel. You remember, our Lord said to the Syrophoenician woman in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, when he said, see the chapter 14 or 15, um, I am sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, our Lord said to the disciples, don't you go into a Samaritan city and don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm talking about something preceding the cross of Christ. So from Abraham to the cross, God dealt with the Jewish people and the nations went their own way. But now there's a change. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now, now, my son has come. He's already borne the sins of the world. He's died. He's been buried and raised again from the dead. Now, God commands all men, Jew and Gentile, to repent. Why? Because he has set apart a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men 
in that he hath raised him from the dead. The resurrection of Christ is not only the guarantee of salvation to his people, the guarantee of forgiveness, of redemption, of justification, but it's the guarantee of judgment to the unsaved. What happened? Why does God command all men everywhere to repent? Because our Lord at the cross reconciled the world to himself. Now, here's what we have in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is it? God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing unto them their trespasses, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, let me say, first of all, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's a very strong statement, isn't it? In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, the apostle writes, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. When? When we were enemies. Do you know one time in discussing this with a man, I made the statement that God was not charging unto him his trespasses. Oh, he said then, then I've got nothing to fear. I said, oh, yes, you do. You've got to fear a holy, righteous God. If Jesus Christ had not made peace for the world at the cross, my friend, you wouldn't be sitting on your seat today. The judgment of God would have come upon the world for the crucifixion of his son, for their rebellion, for their hatred, for their disobedience, for their unbelief. Why does God permit people today to rebel, to sin? Why does God stand to one side apparently and let men do what they wanted to do? Well, you say, because God today is gathering out of people for his name. That's true. But I might suggest 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness. God is going to judge the world in fire. He just said that in 2 Peter chapter 3. But he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when I said to my friend, today you ought to thank God for his mercy. He's allowing you to live on his earth, and yet you're living in sin. He is not, at the present time, he is not charging you with trespasses. It's a wonderful truth. If he was, my friend, if God was charging men with their trespasses, then you'd have the wrath of God upon men. Let me give you an illustration. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, we have what is known as the feasts of God. One of them is called the Day of Atonement. Now, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take two goats, he would uh, pronounce the sins of Israel over the head of one goat and set it free 
into the open field in charge of a man. His job was to free the goat where it would never come back. Speaking of the fact that our Lord put away our sins forever. The second goat was slain and the blood was taken and sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And I read, and an atonement was made for the sins of Israel. For one whole year, the nation of Israel was under the mercy of God. Why? Because of covenant blood. The religious Jew and the irreligious Jew, the good Jew and the bad Jew, irrespective of condition, if they were in Israel, they were under under the mercy of God for a whole year. But if an individual Jew wanted personal forgiveness, he brought his sacrifice, he brought his sin offering or his trespass offering, or he might bring a peace offering. The whole nation was included in the Day of Atonement, but personal forgiveness came by bringing a personal sacrifice. Now let me swing it to the New Testament. Jesus Christ on the cross reconciled the world unto himself. God today is dealing in mercy with the world, the whole world, the irreligious as well as the religious. Whereas the Christian world, so-called, or an idolatrous world, or a pagan world, or a heathen world, the whole world is under the grace of God today because of the work of Christ. But if you and I as sinners, if we want personal forgiveness, then we must come and accept Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior. And if we're Christians, we will come and confess our sins and be cleansed. What I'm trying to get to you is this amazing truth of reconciliation. God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not charging unto them their trespasses. And he's given to us the responsibility to tell the world of such a Savior. Now, that's as far as I can go today. My next lesson will continue on reconciliation. But I want these wonderful truths to get right down into your heart. Oh, listen, friend. Are you going to spurn the mercy of God? Are you going to spurn the provision God's made for you? So, well, sir, what can I do? He wants you to accept Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your Savior. But if God is not charging me with trespasses today, yes, that's today. But don't forget, if you refuse the Savior, you will stand before God in your sin, personally, and meet the wrath and judgment of God. And I beseech you, in Christ's stead to accept the reconciliation which God has made for you. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake. Out from heaven's palaces, splendor filled and bright, came the King, and he came to Savior down that made him leave his glorious throne and crown 
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.